please subscribe and leave a review of Dorky wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can support the pod if you'd like. You can use PayPal or buy me a coffee. There are links to both methods on Dorky's website and in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much. Before the episode, let me tell you about an amazing online boutique that I just know you're going to love. Save Boutique is a great place for clothes, accessories, and shoes. One of the great things about Save is that it's size inclusive. Most items Save offers are available in sizes from small to 3X, and they're looking into ways to offer even more sizing options. They also drop new items every week, so there's always new things to choose from. They even offer three buy now, pay later options, shop pay, Klarna, and Afterpay. One last thing, they're offering a discount to Dorky listeners. Just enter the code Dorky, that's D-O-O-R-K-E-Y, all caps, no spaces, for a 10% discount. I even put a link to Safe Boutique in the description notes of this episode that will take you directly there and automatically apply the discount. So check out the amazing clothes, accessories, and shoes Safe Boutique has to offer. You'll be so glad you did. Hello, this is Dorkey. I'm your host, April. This is a podcast about history. I'm going to be discussing events, people, and sometimes just random things from history that interest me and are important. I am absolutely not an expert or historian. I'm just a dork who spends a lot of time watching, reading, listening to anything I can get my hands on about history, and I want to talk about it. I think a lot can be learned from looking into the past. And I'd like to share what I've learned. And I hope you enjoy it. Before I start the episode, I have a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. I've set up a way that if you wanted to support the show, you could do so by making a donation through PayPal. Now, I didn't take this step lightly or even comfortably. But rest assured that this isn't a membership or a requirement to listen to any of the pod's episodes. But I've gotten a few emails and messages from listeners asking if there was a way to support the show. So it's all set up now. There's a link in the show notes as well as on the pod's website. Please feel free to use or ignore the link as you wish. I'm honestly just surprised and grateful that you all are even listening to my dorky ramblings, and anything beyond that is a bonus. Thank you. The year was 2005, and HBO released the historical series, Rome. It only lasted for two seasons, but I can't say enough good things about it. I had actually planned on eventually doing an episode about the show one day, but the actor Ray Stevenson who was one of the show's stars as the character Titus Pillow, unfortunately just had a very untimely death. And to honor Ray Stevenson and the greatness that is the character Titus Pillow, as well as the show Rome, it was clear to me that now was the time to talk about it. So, 
please bear with me. I'm going to be a bit dramatic for a second and make a play on a quote from Shakespeare. Friends, lend me your ears. I have come to praise the showroom, not to bury it. I will start by saying that I'm not alone in my love of this show. A search on Google shows that it has an 8.7 rating on IMBD, an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, and Google users rate it at 92%. Here's a brief synopsis of the show that I copy-pasted. Two Roman soldiers are caught up in the historical events of an era that included the death of a republic and the birth of an empire. They encounter war, political intrigue, assassinations, family tragedies, and more, all while surrounded by historical figures such as Gaius Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Gaius Octavian, and Cleopatra. The two Roman soldiers that this synopsis mentions are named Lucius Verinus and Titus Pullo. I love this so much because the writers of the show created these characters from real soldiers who fought for Caesar during his Gallic campaigns. Caesar wrote a book about these campaigns and mentioned these two soldiers by name, saying, In that legion, there were two very brave men, centurions, who were now approaching the first ranks, T. Polo and L. Verinus. These used to have continual disputes between them, which of them should be preferred, and every year used to contend for promotion with the utmost animosity. These are the only two soldiers mentioned by name in Caesar's book, so they must have really stood out to him, and I really love that the writers of the show gave this nod to the two real men mentioned by Caesar. So this show takes place during a huge point in history. It covers the end of the Roman Republic with the death of Julius Caesar and the beginning of the Roman Empire as Octavian takes over. Throw in Cleopatra and the end of the Egyptian Empire while Lucius Verinus and Titus Pullo sort of forest gump their way through these historical events and meeting historical figures and, oh my gosh, I'm in history nerd heaven. When I say that Verinus and Titus Pullo sort of forest gump their way through history. What I mean is that when creating the show, the writers stated that they aimed for authenticity rather than accuracy and went from there. So an example of this would be kind of like when Forrest Gump calls to report the lights he sees in the Watergate Hotel. Titus Pullo just happens to come across the wagon that holds all of Rome's stockpile of gold. But even when rewriting history like that, this show does a good job. The idea that Cleopatra purposefully gets pregnant by Titus Pullo so she could pass the resulting child, Caesarian, off as Julius Caesar's? This is all bonkers, yes, but it works, and I love it. I think a big part of why all the big things like that work is because the small things work so well. This show does a great job of pulling you into the past. The sets, the clothing, the language, all of it is perfect. Even the credits do a great job of setting the tone. People go about their daily business in the city of Rome while the graffiti on the walls of the city come to life. Side note, I've thought of doing an episode that just talks about all of the graffiti found on the walls of Pompeii. I think it would be a lot of fun. So please let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. This show brings you into the past visually. 
Rome is absolutely alive and vibrant with color. The show also brings you into the past with its language. Characters swear, yes, but they do it like they would have back then. Lucius Verinus is very angry at one point, and instead of saying, I'm a... He says, I am a son of Hades. At one point, one character is playing an instrument and hits a wrong note. Instead of saying, she says, piss and blood. After a battle, Titus Polo says, look here, Mars, I am Titus Polo. These bloody men are my gift to you. This show also takes place in a time that was very pre-Christian, and so there's no modern-day sensibilities at all, because those just didn't exist in this world. Animals, from as large as a bull to as small as a beetle, are sacrificed in offerings to the gods as a matter of course. Oaths are sworn to Jupiter or other Roman gods. An ex of Julius Caesar's calls on all of the gods and puts a curse on Caesar and puts another curse on his family. The show, Rome, was originally supposed to be five seasons long. It was a joint venture between HBO and the BBC, but it was so ambitious with the story and the sets and costumes that it was too expensive and so was canceled after the second season. This means the writers had to cram four seasons worth of story into the second final season. Whenever I hear a complaint about the show, it's that they had to put so much into that second season. But I feel like that just shows how good the show is, that one of the main complaints about it is that there isn't enough, which is also a complaint I personally tend to agree with. I try to rationalize that we would never have had Game of Thrones if it wasn't for Rome. A common saying is that Rome walked so that Game of Thrones could fly, and I think it's true. Another complaint I've seen about the show is that there are some very famous battles that took place that aren't depicted on the show. Instead, most battles are just kind of recapped by a character after the fact. While the reason for this is usually given as budget constraints, which makes sense, I, as a viewer, actually appreciate the battles not being shown. I'd much rather spend the time on character development, events, and politics than battles. But that's just my personal preference. And I have to talk about the actor Kieran Hines as Julius Caesar. I can't explain it, but ever since I was a little girl, when I would imagine Julius Caesar, I didn't know it until I watched this show, but it was basically Kieran Hines I'd been picturing in my head the whole time. And then he showed up as Mance Raider, the King Beyond the Wall, on Game of Thrones. I mean, come on, how cool is Kieran Hines that he's Julius Caesar and the King Beyond the Wall? I mean it from the bottom of my heart when I say, all hail Kieran Hines. The same goes for James Purefoy as Mark Antony. He was perfectly cast. Chef's kiss to this show's casting agent. They did a great job. One of my favorite episodes is when Julius Caesar goes to Egypt to settle the dispute between Cleopatra and her brother-slash-husband, Ptolemy. Side note, I've brought up the whole Egyptian royalty marrying their sibling thing in an earlier episode. This was something the ancient Egyptians did. Again, we can't look at this with modern sensibilities. It's just how it was. Anyway, I've been fascinated by ancient Egypt since I was a little girl, and this part of the show all felt and looked so real to me. 
down to the child pharaoh and priests, kind of rolling their eyes at all the rituals. Cleopatra was the last pharaoh of Egypt, which had been around for literally thousands of years by this point. And the priests and pharaoh being over the rituals makes a lot of sense to me. As for Cleopatra herself, I enjoyed her depiction in this, but I don't think it was very realistic. She was defeated by the Romans, who did nothing but slander her before she died, but especially after her death. And while it makes sense to me that she'd be depicted as the Romans described her in a show called Rome, I can't help but wish that more non-Roman biased depictions of her existed that we could draw from. As long as we're talking about how real people are depicted in this show, let's talk about Atia for a minute. She's another character in the show that's based off of a real person. Atia was Octavian's mother. In the show, she's something else, to put it mildly. She's ruthless, amoral. I mean, she's a really great TV character, but not exactly someone you'd want to be around in real life. But the historical records say she wasn't like that at all, that she was actually very kind and ladylike. Now, would Octavian had allowed his mother to go down in history as anything but kind and ladylike? Not very likely. But we'll never know what Atia was really like, for sure. When the show does depict real history, they do a great job of explaining the significance without getting too into the weeds. Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon with his army to enter Rome is huge for many reasons. But to put it simply, it was against the law to enter Rome with an army. By choosing to do this, Julius Caesar was basically invading Rome. He was enacting a coup by Roman law, but also by Roman beliefs. The show lets you know how serious this is, with just a few meaningful looks and lines said by worried senators in Rome, and also a few looks and lines said by the troops that were doing the actual crossing. Another example of them showing history concisely is with Julius Caesar's war with his ex-triumphant partner, Pompey, which ended with Egypt's pharaoh, Ptolemy, literally presenting Caesar with Pompey's head. Caesar's very real, complex reaction to this is depicted in the show, but they again do a really great job of doing that with just a few lines and meaningful looks. Hmm, I'm beginning to wonder if I'm just so impressed by all this conciseness and storytelling because it's a skill that I, who can tend to be long-winded at times, don't possess. Anyway, another way this show succeeds in showing, not telling, is when they show Mark Antony and Cleopatra's last days in Egypt. It's dramatic, over-the-top decadence, and then their tragic deaths are well depicted. I struggled with talking about this for not because it comes off to me as another very Roman propaganda-based depiction of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. They say history is written by the victors, and the Romans very much won their battle with Mark Antony and Cleopatra and made sure history would know them a certain way. I decided to discuss this because, yes, in my opinion, this depiction is Roman perspective biased. But again, the show is called Rome, so I can't fault this Roman perspective. But to be fair, I'm giving it a very skeptical side eye. Side note, in full transparency, I have to admit that seeing a drunk, despondent Mark Antony try to settle his war with Octavian by challenging him to single 
hand-to-hand combat made me laugh out loud. The exact truth behind Mark Antony and Cleopatra's death is lost between legend and Shakespeare, but the show does a good job depicting their version of it. The way the show depicts it, Julius Caesar was together with Brutus's mother, Sevilla, then broke up with her. This led to Sevilla not only literally putting a curse on him and his family, yes, this is the ex-girlfriend I mentioned earlier, but she then manipulates her son Brutus into taking part in Julius Caesar's assassination. Yes, this is that A2 Brute Brutus I'm talking about. I want to make it clear that I'm not claiming that Julius Caesar was assassinated because of a petty ex-girlfriend. This is something the writers of the show dreamed up but I am making the claim that this turn of events makes for good TV. Here's another way the writers changed history. So, you know how I said that in the show, Cleopatra slept with Titus Pullo so that she'd get pregnant and could pass the child off as Julius Caesar's? That child, Caesarian, in real life was most likely killed by Octavian after Mark Anthony and Cleopatra died. But in the show, Caesarian escapes that fate and gets to fade into obscurity with Titus Pullo, his real dad. I'm not going to lie. I have to say that I like this imagined outcome better than the reality. One last thing I have to mention before I go. There's a character throughout the series that stands in the city square and would read out the news to the citizens. He's what we would call a town crier, but IMBD credits this character as newsreader. This character is based on real history of newsreaders, and I love it. Friends, this man is a star the way he moves about and reads the news. I will definitely be including a video of a scene with the newsreader in the extra bits I put on the pod's social media, because it's fantastic. If you haven't watched Rome yet, please do. It's amazing. I mean, yes. The writers definitely took liberties with historical facts, but when it comes to everything else, the look, the feel, the sound, they really got it right. Thank you, Ray Stevenson. The character of Titus Polo was endearing, and you will be very missed. 13. Some of the sources I used for this episode, jpenner.com, slash film, Wikipedia, and of course, the HBO series, Rome. So that's it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can reach me at dorkypod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if I left something out or got something wrong, or let me know if there's something in particular in history that you'd like me to talk about. There's also a Facebook group called Dorky Podcast and an Instagram at Dorky Pod. Join them and be part of our growing community, but also to get extra tidbits about episode topics like facts and pictures. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're hearing it. It helps the podcast grow, but more importantly, your feedback will help me make this a better podcast. Until we meet again, friends, 